0: Welcome to World Ocean Radio. I'm Peter Neal, Director of the World Ocean Observatory. Central banks play a key role in all finance policies and transactions in an integrated world economy. They stand apart from private capitalism, indeed serve as stimulus and control for the implementation of policy and legislation nationally, thus internationally in shifting forces of international finance. In the United States, the Federal Reserve System was created in 1935 to, quote, perform five general functions to promote the effective operation of the national economy and, more generally, the public interest. In concept, the system is independent, although its managers are appointed by the executive and confirmed by the Congress. It has 12 regional reserve banks that are quasi-independent with local oversight aware of and sensitive to particular financial conditions and needs. It is not financed by legislative appropriation, but by interest on securities it acquires through open market operations and by depository functions such as check clearing, fund transfers, and automatic clearinghouse operations that cover costs and are thereafter transferred as surplus to the U.S. Treasury. The amounts are staggering. In 2015, net earnings paid by the system into the National Treasury surpassed $97.8 billion, augmented by another $19.3 billion specifically to fund the Fixing America's Surface Transportation Act, one assumes to repair and build new, the deteriorating transportation infrastructure. So the Fed, as it is known, does a good deal more than coordinate financial policy set interest rates and clear transactions, and apparently could serve further by mission-directed investment in the public interests. The present situation is fraught by outside confusion and pandemic, but the system has nonetheless remained relatively independent and protective of its role as an instrument of stability in a time of extreme increase in the national debt, record unemployment, and economic distress in our COVID-damaged economy. Consider it a lighthouse, a formidable aid to navigation in an ocean of chaos. But consider this. Banks and other large financial institutions, such as investment houses and pension funds, can invest those funds with intention, with responsible, profitable, and transformative direction. It is fair to say that to date they have not, staying the course with predictable lending and investments in conventional companies, the so-called Fortune 500, perpetuating documented environmental consequences and biodiversity destruction. That does not have to be. In fact, why should it not be fiduciarily responsible and profitable to do otherwise? In a recent brilliant report by Portfolio.Earth, Bankrolling Extinction, the Banking Sector's Role in the Global Biodiversity Crisis, the situation is starkly described, quote, Environmental destruction can no longer be seen as an unfortunate byproduct of economic development, quite the reverse. Our abusive relationship with nature is contributing to a U.S. $4 trillion hole in our global economy. Rising employment and social equality. Recent analysis suggests that COVID-19 has reversed the global development agenda back 25 years in just 25 weeks. If we protect nature, nature protects us. Most of the funding assessed, 66%, was related to activities that directly cause biodiversity loss, fishing and mining, for example. And 34% was invested in companies which indirectly drive biodiversity loss by driving demand along the supply chain from retail or processing and trading of commodities, such as construction, which creates demand for raw materials. Analysis of bank policies regarding biodiversity has shown not a single one of these banks has sufficient systems in place to measure, report, and radically reduce the environmental impact caused by its financial activities. Put simply, the banks are unwilling and have not prepared to tackle the biodiversity crisis." Unquote. Other key findings of the bank assessed in this report include On average, each of the 50 banks included in the research were linked to finance with biodiversity risk to the tune of $52 trillion. This ranges from more than $210 billion for the largest investor to $1.3 billion for the smallest. The top three of the ten banks with the largest exposure to biodiversity risks were headquartered in the USA, Bank of America, Citigroup, and J.P. Morgan Chase. Wells Fargo, another American bank, was the fifth largest investor in industry sectors with high biodiversity risks. All of these banks are members of the U.S. Federal Reserve. My questions are two. Why does any central bank enable investment that is proven so destructive to the inherent value of nature, every nation's most precious asset? And is not the impact on the ocean, by destructive fishing and mining and pollution and manufacture, a series of determined, demonstrated, negative consequences seriously antithetical to the public interest? We will discuss these issues and more in future editions of World Ocean Radio. ¶¶